Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, folks, uh, and welcome to episode 22 of Dude and a Monkey. I'm Mark Foster, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host. Hi, Ian Loring. Hello, how are we all? And um, today we are going to be covering the British um, fantasy vampire kind of film Byzantium, which stars Cerise Ronan, Gemma Arterton, and other people. We'll also be looking at uh, one old, one new from Ian, one old and one that I forgot because I didn't watch anything new this week, uh, which I will come to oh, later on. Uh, actually, no, these are two quite quite good ones, actually. Uh, I've watched some good films this week. Um, we're also going to be discussing a few trailers and uh, we're next in our double demi uh, marathon. We are looking at the Talking Heads concert movie, Stop Making Sense, uh, which is, of course, more than just a standard concert film. Uh, it very much is a movie in its own right. A production. Yeah. yeah, without question. But, of course, we'll come to that later on. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, at Dude and the Monkey on Twitter, at Dude and the Monkey, well, not at Dude and the Monkey, uh, Dude and the Monkey at gmail.com. Um, and without further ado, um, Ian... What trailers have you seen this week? I'm just getting a pillow to support my back, using my feet. Ow! Oh, sorry. Are you using monkey feet? No. I'm, I'm using I'm in pain feet. Oh, uh, you've got bad back. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you got sympathy back pains? No, no, because she doesn't have back pains. Uh. Um, I, I might have back pains in sympathy, I suppose, but... Ah, anyway, sorry, folks. People don't need to hear my whining. Um, slow fucking week for trailers, man. It was, um, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I watched the trailer for Planes. Um, yeah. we, I, it, it's about a plane that's afraid of heights. For fuck's sake. So, yeah, great. Um, new uh, the the latest trailer for Monsters University. Whatever, um, I you know, if, if I'm sure it will be good. I just got no enthusiasm for it whatsoever. No. Um, it, it, it's so? just another Pixar sequel. Yeah, or which prequel, you know is something you shouldn't really be having to say, but you are. It's it's insane. Uh, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. Got no idea why I watched that trailer. And uh, Prisoners, which I, I suppose is my trailer of the week because it was the only one that I had any major kind of interest in, I suppose. Uh, which, well, not even major interest, but I'm, I'm quite enjoying Hugh, I, I, like the sight of Hugh Jackman threatening Paul Dano a lot. So <laughs> there's that. Um, it, it's probably not going to be very good. And um, i got to say, like, I think I watched that trailer the day that uh, Mark Bridger, the guy who... Um, like murdered April Jones got convicted and that kind of, it felt a little oh bloody hell that's a bit close to the bone at the moment kind of a thing especially like living in Wales mm. but um I don't know uh looks uh looks all right I I suppose but yeah that was it man week week yeah I mean the only other thing I can that is I saw a trailer uh, a theatrical trailer for is it East the really bland oh the, the East yeah the yeah. really fucking bland looking um I don't even know how to describe it, but it just it just looks terrible. Uh, it's basically sound of my voice, 
does eco-terrorism. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Um, and I also the Machete Kills trailer. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, well, actually, do you know what? That was my trailer. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I enjoy Machete. It's good throwaway fun. Um, and I enjoyed everything about the Machete Kills trailer, with the exception of one thing. Um, the, um, what's it? What, what is her name? The one who's in Modern Family. So Sophie Viagra. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, the yeah, the, a... the boob gun thing. I, I did feel a little bit like, Really? Yes, we get yeah. it. She's got big breasts. Oh, a boob gun. You know, it, it, fine, do a grindhouse movie, but don't just fucking steal things from anime. Yeah, it yeah. Just, uh, even that... It, it just felt a little bit like, even for you, Rodriguez, that's a little bit lazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even though I, I will say though, I'm looking forward to Carl, uh, Carlos Estevez as the president. Yes, and that is a genius thing. And introducing Carlos Estevez is, is a very is a very clever um, little nod. I think I was I was quite looking forward. I've got looking, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not probably I don't know if it gets a theatrical release. I might go and see it, but it might be one of those where I wait for it to come out. Um, you know, on video on demand or whatever. I don't know. It depends on what kind of movie I mean when it comes out. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I don't know. I'll I'll probably go and see it unless there's like a shitload out that That's week. It. But, That's um, it. If I, I had a Cineworld card and there's a Cineworld near me, without question, I'd go and see it. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I'll go and see it. In fairness. Mm. Christ, I'm going to go and see After Earth next week, you know, and that's only because I've got a Cineworld card. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really not... Someone was, someone was saying to me... Um, we go off on tangent a little bit. Someone was saying to me on Twitter the other day, you know, are you not looking forward to it for the simple fact that it's an M. Night Shyamalan film? And I just want to say, do you know what? I'd completely forgotten that it was even an M. Night Shyamalan film, so no. <laughs> um, I just... It's... If it was an M. Night Shyamalan film that had Will Smith in it, I'd be saying, do you know what, when it comes out on Sky or whatever, if like that, I'll watch it. But I had no interest in watching anything with fucking Jaden Smith in it. At all. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I will, I, I will watch it at I'm, some point. But I, I, I'm... I'm very, very lenient towards sci-fi. I'm very, very lenient on sci-fi. I, I think I'm very, 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 very hard on horror films. But I, I think I am lenient on sci-fi. Despite the fact it is derivative as all hell. Like, I really, really liked Oblivion. Like, because of its look and because of its, like, its ideas, you know. Um, so, so I can see myself getting behind certain aspects of After Earth, if I'm, if I'm honest. Mm. Yeah, you see, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a massive sci-fi fan, so it, it, I can be quite critical of sci-fi. I, for my sci-fi, what I want is, I want it to look pretty and be entertaining. And that's what I didn't get a chance to catch Oblivion, but that's what a, uh, that, that, that's what that looks like. Um, whereas to me, After Earth looks looks like they're trying to get a vehicle for Jaden Smith to branch out on his own. And I, I don't, like I said before, I don't need a younger, more arrogant Will Smith. Yeah, 
That's yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I mean, like the reaction to this one's been so poor that he'll probably just like decide he wants to be a rapper now or something. Oh, I hope he does. I hope. Daddy, people don't like me. I'm, I'm gonna be a rapper now. You know, I can imagine it just being that. Mm. I mean, there was somebody had a joke last night with all the Doctor Who stuff that was going around on Twitter because everyone thought that the new Doctor was getting announced. Um, and somebody made a joke about Jaden Smith getting it. And I turned out to Becky because she mentioned it to me. I said, do you know what the, sick, the sad thing is? Is you get the feeling that if Jaden Smith turned around to his dad and went, I want to be Doctor Who, that Will Smith would somehow make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. yeah. And, would, and, you know, and... It, 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 after he did that, he'd ring up um, Jada and say, uh, oh, I made Jaden Will Smith. What, what made Jaden Doctor Who? What are you going to do for him? It's kind of, you get the feeling like he's he's doing all of this just so his son will stay with him. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, 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 I don't know. We'll, um, I don't know. We'll see. But then again, it sounds like we're not going to be talking about After Earth next week. So. I, I, if you want, if you want, I will go and see it. No, but no, there are better things no, out. Do, do you know what? VHS two is out on VOD in the US next week uh, on Friday. Um, the Iceman's Ice out Man. next oh, week. Oh, oh, by the way, so, I saw a trailer for the Iceman, the theatrical trailer for the Iceman before Byzantium, and my God, does that look good? I'm very, very much looking for. I, I can see us doing an Iceman VHS two double next Yes, I, I, I am. As long as I can get to see the Iceman, because at the moment, Picture House, my local Picture House city screen is closed for refurb, so I'm depending on view showing it. How many screens is the view? Twelve. I think you'll be alright. I think right. I'll be alright. I can't see him. You know, they're showing the fucking trailer, so I really hope they don't let me down by not showing the film. I, I, to be honest, I think you'll be all right because, like, Fast, Fast Six, Hangover, Gatsby, Star Trek—they're all basically going to be down to one screen mm. next week. After Earth might take up a couple of screens, but I think, like, pre Man of Steel and World World War Z, I think the Ice Man is actually going to get a good amount well, of screens it, this it week. It says um, on um, launching film that it's getting a wide release, so. Yeah, so hopefully it's it's not it, yeah it's not saturation, but in a twelve screen view, like just this is based on when I used to work at View, even though it was a couple of years ago now. I I I would imagine that the type of film that Iceman is would play in a twelve screen. I hope so. So fingers crossed. Next week we'll be bringing you an Iceman uh, VHS two double bill. Uh, but we should move on now to. Um, Byzantium. Um, here is a, um, a clip from the trailer, um, and then we'll we'll get in. My mother did three things for me. One, come then. She spared my life the day that I was born. Dead. Two, she paid for my upkeep on her knees and on her back. Kiss me. Why? In celebration of my wickedness. And three, she gave me the story I can never tell. If she lived with a secret, what would you do? There is a code that we survive by Helen. Keep it. Helen has written a story. In her story, she says that she lives 
with vampires. My mother lives on human blood and has done for two centuries. She is an aberration. We are a brotherhood. There are no women amongst us. We should not permit it to survive. Whole. Do we steal time? We buy it with blood. We've been here before. Okay, you had a short little clip there from the trailer for Byzantium. Uh, I say a short clip, it'll be the full fucking trailer. Uh, this is a, um, a UK film um, directed by Neil Jordan. Uh, he's revisiting the undead um, after you know, his glorious interview the vampire, which I'll admit I was a, a, a big fan of. Um, this time he's bringing Cerise Ronan, Gemma Arthurson, um, Johnny Lee Miller, Sam Riley, and Caleb Landry-Jones, uh, minus the top lip. Uh, with him. Um, so, Ian, uh, what did you think of Byzantium? Um, is it not Saoirse Ronan? I have no idea. I saw an interview with her recently and she said that anybody who gets her name right uh, gets a hug. Uh, and the interviewer said, oh, so how many hugs are you giving away? And she said, you're my 13th interview today and I've given nobody a hug. Which made me think, just fucking tell people how you're saying it. I've, I've no idea. I read, I read. Um, I think it might have been Total Film or Last Month's Empire that it 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 it's supposed to sound alike to inertia. All oh, right. So Sertia. Sertia. Right. Would would make sense. Um, but I, I you keep on calling us Cerise. I'll call us Sertia and I'll get a hug. Yes. And she is nineteen, so yeah. But she's she's well, more common. She's still uh, she's still a bit young looking. I'll yeah, I'll admit. I won't, I won't even talk about that. We'll come in a minute. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Anyway. Um. Where the fuck's that going? Byzantium. Um. I I actually quite enjoyed Byzantium. Um. I I certainly think it's flawed. Um. There's an awful lot of stuff going on and i didn't think there needed to be as much stuff as there was the kind of the there's the subplot is, oh well we are all yeah, the time. time um the i could have done without tom hollander and the other teacher character um in the end of the day that they didn't really add anything and Kate, and also it actually i thought confused 
the relationship between Kayla Blanchard Jones and Saoirse Ronan. Mm. Um, she seems to forgive him very quickly, I'll say that. Um, but uh, I think Gemma Arterton is very, very good, even though her accent's kind of a little bit all over the place. Um, Saoirse Ronan's very good. Kayla Blandry Jones is the weirdest love interest of the year. Um, that I like that kid though. He's got a fucking aura all his own. Um, I thought it was atmospheric. Uh, I thought it looked good. I thought the score was good. Um, I thought it had some interesting takes on the vampire mythos. Uh, it's not one that I think will linger particular like super super long in the memory. Uh, even though there is some imagery in there that might thinking about mm. it, but uh, for what it was, uh, I I had a good time. Yeah, um, I for well, hmm. for me, by the time it is is it, it's it's two movies, um, two stories kind of fused together and, and linked um, together. So you've got Sarisha of Inertia Ronan. Um, so we'll call her S. I don't know. Whatever she's called. Her. Uh, you've got her modern story and uh, everything like that. And then she is via the writing um, and then chucking the pages away and her sort of voiceover. He's telling you this backstory of um, Jim Arton's character, her mother, um, whose name constantly changes throughout the film. Um, so the... The character of Gemma Arton's Clara character, um, I found that a, a whole lot more interesting. Um, when she's being a sort of remorseless, vengeful um, vampire, um, and she's got this, she seems to have, you know, the whole thing about with vampire movies is what always makes them, gives them a, a point rather than just being pointless, uh, is if you add a code in it. You know, you can have. You know, something like 30 Days of Night, that's just a vampire movie where vampires kill things and then people have to try and stop vampires killing things. Uh, whereas you get movies like, for instance, Interview with the Vampire uh, and Byzantium and even to an extent that the Twilight movies uh, is when you add um, a code of ethics or whatever or morality to it. Um, and yeah, you've got is Gemini and has this kind of code where she's trying to get back at, you know, these males who exploit females is the kind of gist essentially of what she's doing uh, to kind of right her wrongs uh, or the wrongs of her life that was all really interesting um, and I liked that and the badass nature of that uh, and this the kind of quite stylish quite neon way that that was you know portrayed and the fact that when you had these scenes with Jim Artisan's character you know there was a lot more colour infused into it and then once you had it with Cerise Ronan uh, and Kayla Landry-Jones, the, the, the colour kind of was taken out of it and it became a lot more kind of earthy and a little bit more sepia. And the problem is, is that that reflected very much that story. It was when you had the the kind of the more kinetic and the more violent bits of the film and the more interesting bits, it was very good. Uh, and when you had the Cerise Ronan in this fucking post-Twilight fucking bollocks of writing stuff down and being all pensive and oh, the pain that I'm going through and all this stuff, and then you had that, I was sat there thinking can we just, can we move on to something else happening because I'm getting sick of her talking to Caleb Landry Jones for five minutes and then him saying something and her running away 
and that kept happening and it just it was painfully dull at points um, and oh by the way I agree with the, the, the Tom Hollander and um, Ray Dog Kennedy bit just added nothing at all other than like you say confused parts you know she basically spent barely any time um, with Caleb Landry-Jones, Frank, at all, really, uh, other than a few conversations, but then was basically willing to give up her entire life to him. It just didn't... It just didn't... It, 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 yeah, the, the fact that she tells him his secret... I know she's desperate to tell someone, but it's like she's had two years... Uh, 200 years, is she not ever gotten that close to anyone ever mm. even though even though i think i think they both play well the fact that they are kind of kindred spirits I, yeah. and they're both I, I, somewhat lost i think that works if the writing doesn't it, yeah i mean that that is a problem with with this film at points is the the writing and the, particularly the script uh, there's far too many um i'm i'm very conscious of um of Briticisms, uh, where they where you get the feeling that a, a, a word has intentionally been put in there to make it sound more British, like the use of the word "sod" um, to describe sure. somebody. I thought, do you know what? I'm I, I'm I'm British, uh, and I very rarely have ever heard anybody use the phrase uh, "sod." I, I what when she calls him a silly yeah. sod or somebody. I I will be honest. I have called Donna a silly sod. Yeah, it, 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 oh, like, like, it, it is, it is it, in my lexicon. I'll be honest, it, it, this, this could be me. I have a very, I have a very fucking tin ear for these kind of things. And I, the word bugger being used annoys me in films. And it just, there's, there's, oh, God, there's yeah, certain yeah, yeah. things where I just go, do you know what? It, mm, and that kind of great on me, but that could just be one of those me things. Um, but yeah, it, even though, even though, sorry, just to go on a slight tangent about bugger, Scully uses buggering in the second X Files film. To like, she's talking to Billy Connolly's priest, and she's saying something about buggering altar boys. That always weirded me out because I wonder how many Americans use the phrase buggering. I bet it's less than pe- British people calling people buggers. Oh yeah, without question. Yeah, but it's that kind of out-of-place thing that, that, that kind of just grates me. And there's a few instances of that in this uh, where it seemed to try and be too British. And it's like, we know it's set in fucking Britain. It's quite clearly set in Britain. And you're right, the Gemma Artisan accent thing seemed... That seemed very much a director's choice in it. Because... I think she plays up the kind of the East End kind of bit a bit more when she's talking to other people kind of in the outside, like external yeah, figures. Which, which is strange because there's there's nothing to suggest that she's ever been to the East End in it and that she was ever yeah, raised yeah. in the in the East End. Um, but it, 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 is, it, it, it does seem to be a strange thing. And I get the feeling that that, that was... That for Neil Jordan, in his mind... That's how all 18th century prostitutes speak. I like Gavna. Yeah, that is it. And it That's it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there has not been a film where you've had, you had a British 18th century prostitute where they don't speak like that. 
yeah. It, despite the fact that this is not set anywhere near the East End, I mean, is it actually actually ever said where it's set? It seems like Brighton. It feels like Brighton yeah. to me, yes. Which makes me think, is, did they just turn up in Brighton and Sam Riley was just still there from when he filmed Brighton Rock? And they went, Probably, yes. Sam Riley's here. Oh, he's wearing exactly the same suit and exactly the same place he was when, they, when we made Brighton Rock. Uh, Sam, yeah, do you fancy just giving an hand with this? Oh, go on then, yeah. I haven't been doing that. <laughs> That's my Sam Riley. Good work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was it was very impressive. <laughs> um, what did you think of, of of Sam Riley in this? Because I believe he's yeah, he, he, he wasn't really he doesn't really seem to do a lot in any film he's ever in, does he? And he's actually right. he, he seems like quite a good actor because he was very good in Control. But since then, he's not really done anything. Well, I haven't I haven't seen that remake of um, uh, Zametti Thirteen. Oh. Uh, even though, like, because apparently it's, like, exactly the same film, yeah. but in English with a bunch of English actors, even though the Stafe is in it, so really I should. Yeah, I, I got about halfway through it and then had to stop watching it. Not for any reason, just I, I had other stuff to do, and I haven't gone back and watched the other half yet, but I will. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like Franklin and Brighton Rock on the road. He just he doesn't appear to do very much. Um, but yeah, I thought he was perfectly good in this, but I did have a problem with Johnny Lee Miller. What did you think of him in there? How so? I thought, um, I thought, well, I mean, I, I th- thought he was terrible. I thought he was woeful. Like, like literally, like, like he'd he'd whipped in off the set of um, Dracula that he was doing, dressed in the same get-up, and gone. Do you just want me to talk a little bit like um, Jonathan? What's his name from from Dracula? And they've gone, yeah, yeah, fine. And he's just done that. It just it felt really it was the most unnatural performance of the film it felt really out of place and a little bit too earnest for the rest of it 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 just it felt too pantomime hammy was the word that i was just uh i was just about to say actually a bit hammy Uh, um even though i think that's his character like his character is just a bastard. Yes, he is a bastard, yeah. You know, um, I, I, even though I will say again, narratively, um, him telling her the story in bed yeah. uh, about Sam Riley's character was very much out of nowhere. It's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you for half an hour, and then I'm going to tell you this incredibly personal story. Yeah, which which shows off all my frailties, and you know, it it plants the seed in your mind. Um, yeah, that was a little bit a little bit strange. I mean, I like the way you mentioned it. I like the way it it, it plays with the the vampire um, mythology. Like they, they they can just be out in sunlight, and it's not they don't mention. It's not even questioned. Yeah. At one point, yeah, at one point, does does sort of say, um, like, why why can you walk around in sunlight? But there's no, there's no, well, because of this, or don't believe everything you read in movies. Fuck you, it's a movie. That always yeah. bugs me. It's just not even answered, uh, and not covered at all. And the whole, um, you know, you have to bite a vampire and you have to be sighted. You know, that wasn't, you know, that scene, the mystery island bit with the the blood 
for the waterfalls, that was fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Gemma Artisan, yeah, yeah, just like kind of dousing herself. And, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I like, I really, really like that cave idea as well. Yes. Like going in there in the bats and then it's like a mirror image of yourself that basically violently murders the fuck out of mm. you. And... And then you kind of wake up from it. Yeah, that's it, it, it's, a, it's a good it's a good twist on on the you know the vampire lore, I suppose. Um, that 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 really fucking worked for me. And it was those bits that I liked. It wasn't just the the flashbacky bits that I, that I found like I- intriguing. I found the whole um, construct, basically anything with the exception of the Trace Run and Caleb Landry Jones. Even that bit would have been all right, but there was just too much of them sat looking at each other and talking not even really fucking talking to each other just being near each other it just felt i was kind of thinking right just you're slowing it down keep it fucking moving because there's 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 more interesting stuff going on at that guest house (laughs) well i i don't know i mean like i like you were saying earlier on that you found her kind of like writing a story and then like chucking it away kind of thing i I quite liked that, just the, the the sense of her wanting to tell people, and so she just she was doing that. And that early scene with the old man as well, where like he he'd been finding the letters and he'd been reading them, and um, you know her kind of feeling like she can open up to him and him him knowing what's going to come if she does that. I I I, I liked that kind of stuff. In that, I mean, I will agree. It it just. Like I said before, I think the two together, the acting, I think is decent. And they've got an odd chemistry with each other. And I've got to say, no offense, well, it probably is offense to him, frankly. But for a, 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 an actress as, I don't know, good looking as Saoirse Ronan is, I, I suppose, or like naturally like beautiful as she is, um, to have chemistry with Caleb Landry Jones on a kind of a physical level it's, it's a hell of a job, and I think it shows how good an actress she is. To be honest, I, I think Cerise Ronan has the uh, sex appeal of a rotting door. She's she's so bland. She, she, do you know what she reminds me of? She, for me, she's the British um, Mia Wysokowski thing. Just I just I don't get it. I don't get the why I, everyone seems to think she's so fucking glorious. Bear in mind, I haven't seen Hannah yet, so... I, 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 will, I will just say, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I could oh, really, no, I'm not, like, I'm not bang that, the no. back doors in or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not, not saying that uh, at all. Uh, it, it's just, I, I, think, I think she's a good little actress, and, you know, I, I could see her get, getting better and better. Like, if she's in, well, I mean, she's going to be in How to Catch a Monster... And that is going to be very interesting. I I, I'd like her to show some kind of emotion at some point. Would be nice. Uh, I think that's harsh myself. Um, oh, oh. I, 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 I didn't see any emotion from her at all in this film. At all. She was always just blank up until one point where she screamed. Where she seems to turn on her mother very quickly. I'll, we'll come to the ending in a minute, actually, as well. Uh, I just I found a very blank for a lot of the film. Not bad. She wasn't bad in it. But I just found her very blank. But maybe that's the character. Maybe it, I found the character irritating more than her performance. is possible. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, it, she is basically written to be 
sad, lonely, prissy vampire girl. Yeah. I mean that 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 is how she's written. Mm. And I think she does that job well. Yeah, she does. Yeah. But I mean, I, 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 I mean, because I mean, I think we're basically saying that the, I think we're both saying the worst thing about this film is the, the kind of the way the story is kind of put together. Without question, yeah. But we, um, even even though I I would I, I mean we'll talk about the end the ending and whatnot, but I, I I gave it four stars on Letterbox, then I'll I'll go by that. I I really re- I, I I really enjoyed it. And despite the, the, the complaints we're having about, about the story, for 118 minutes long, I, I thought it felt shorter than that. And I, I don't say that that often. I mean, for me, because, I mean, you do stars five. I, I, my brain always goes for out of ten for some reason. Uh, it gets a seven out of ten for me. Uh, I, well, yeah, I mean, you can still eight out of ten for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I, you know, I, I did enjoy it. And, I, you know, it, it will be something I'll, I'll pick up when it comes out. Um, so the, the ending, um, yeah, what, what did you think of the, um, uh, of the ending? Um, what, what are we talking specifically? It sounds like you've got a specific well, issue. I mean, the, the whole, the whole, um, Sam Riley's character killing the other man, the guy from the Brotherhood thing, you know, that wasn't a surprise really, was it? You could fucking see that oh, um, a mile off. Um, but then the the her sat down and giving her a, a roll of money and saying I'm cutting you loose. It's like, hang on a minute. Like twenty minutes ago, you went through saying, oh, you know, eternity on your own is very lonely. But you're basically going to push your daughter out that you've protected all this time just out there and give her what was only probably about you know that 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 roll there was maybe two grand. Uh, what what's she gonna do? You know how is she gonna form a relationship with people? She can't age. You know you're just pushing her out there on her own with basically well, very limited life experience for what? It just felt a little bit like oh I've been protecting you all these years, all these years I've been protecting you. Like fuck off now. Um yeah I I I, I think I. I I think that's a fair point. I mean, she has got Caleb Landry Jones's character as well. Remember, like he is turned into a vampire at the end of the film. Yeah, and and with that, at the end of the film, you've got her and Caleb Landry Jones go off, and then you've got Sam Riley and Gemma Arterton go off. And essentially, I was looking and thinking, right, you've got two sort of two duos, two couples essentially go off, right. If there was a sequel to this movie, you'd have two possible sequels. One would be Sam Riley and Gemma Arterton going off and kicking vampire ass um, and taking on the powerful, defending the weak, whilst also being chased by a brotherhood of um, vampires, right? Right. Or Caleb Landry-Jones and Sharice Ronan are vampires who sit and look at each other. I want to see the Sam Riley and Jim Ratton fucking movie. I want to see that. I want to see them in fucking neon kicking ass. Oh, yeah, but I, mean, I don't think that's a, a criticism of this no, film. Not, I, mean, I, I agree. Film, I, but I'm just saying that if... The, the, I want to see that sequel. I want to see them two 
going off and kicking ass. Her being like a wise cracking super fucking bitch and him being this kind of, you know, gentleman who's kind of for some reason in her debt despite the fact that he saved her life twice. Well, I, 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 I think it's the fact that he's just a good man yeah. or whatever, I suppose. I, I mean, I, I, the thing is, I'll, I, I will say, thinking about it, yes, the jump from Arterton being, you're not going anywhere, you're not going anywhere, you're not going anywhere, to go on and bugger off. There's nothing that happens in the climax that, um, that kind, I, 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 I think Arterton's character would experience to really necessitate that ch- that widely wildly change in attitude. Mm. That I, I, I think that is a problem. And now we're talking about this film more and more. It is making me think it's a seven out of ten. <laughs> but I just, I, I, yeah. All right, fair enough. I, I, no. Well, no. Do you know what? No. Because I really, really like the performances, and I do think that narratively it is wobbly, and there are things in there that are a bit, uh, really? But during watching the film, it felt to me like four stars. It's a fun romp, isn't it? It's, like you say, it's not going to be... You're not going to look back on it in years' time and go, oh, that was a classic from 2013 or anything. But in, like, three or four years' time... You know, you'll probably look at it on Blu-ray shelf or whatever and go, one night and go, yeah, fuck it. Do you know what? I fancy watching Byzantium. You know. Blu-ray for a fiver, yes. Exactly. I would be right there. Yeah, without question. Um, if, you know, the big poster, the fucking really kick-ass fucking neon poster, if that's on a fucking steelbook, I'll buy the shit out of it because it looks very pretty. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Um... Studio Canal as well, they do their steel books. Yeah. yeah, you might be on to something I, there. You know, if that, that's not steel, but I'll buy that because it's very pretty. Um, yeah, but then again, Studio Canal, I also still get review discs off them, so. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there um, we go. But <laughs> yeah, so overall, I had, I had numerous issues with Byzantium, but I, I, actually, I actually liked it. So for me, it gets a, a, a definitely not shit. I am definitely, definitely not shit. I'm really glad that you realised that because this film's been taking a bit of a bashing um, from people uh, I've seen. And, you know, I came out of it thinking, well, I had issues with it, but I don't see how it could offend people. <laughs> Is it a, really? Has it been that? A lot of people say, people have been like a lot that, of people saying, you know, well, it's pointless and it's just shit. Don't see the point in it. Crap. I thought, well, geez, you know, do people not like, you know, people seem to. Uh, People seem to want a lot from movies these days. I tell you what, I had some fucking language fucking shit rumblings coming out of The Purge. And I don't know what the fuck people were expecting from The Purge. Yeah, because that's... The tagline of the film is, one night a year, all crime is legal. Mm. It's just like, it's just going to be, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I'd like just bit like I heard multiple people grumbling about how shit they thought the purge was, and I mean I didn't think the purge was great, but it is one of those. Well, in the purge, what and what do people expect? The purge essentially is a an idea, point of movie. It, it's a genre flick. It's a B movie genre flick. It, it, I haven't seen it, but that's what the that's what the construct suggests to me that this is very much. A, a, a genre pick 
where it's an idea they've put in and it's it's an alternate reality piece. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that it is. It, 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 I mean, the purge. Not to go off on too much of a tangent, but the purge is basically an A an A level student who thinks they're very, very, very smart writing their first screenplay, and it's somehow managing to actually get greenlit. Well, yeah, I, 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 I was sort of talking to I missed about it and saying that this this was you know this what it is. But oh, it sounds really interesting. Nice, well, it does. It does. It sounds interesting. But then once you get past the idea of it sounding interesting it is the most retarded idea that you'd have in a pub you know you're not best way to sort out crime after a few beers what one night a year everyone can do whatever the fuck they want and it's like that that one line that idea is a very good idea until you go and then have a think about it until you put a thought towards it it's a very clever construct but once you put a thought towards it that's when it all kind of crumbles down the thing is like again in the purge not to go off on too much of a tangent it is the fact that everybody in the film it's just straight up i'm gonna murder this person i'm gonna murder this person if it was me i'd probably smoke a lot of weed and i would rob a bank Hmm. you know what i mean like that that all crime is legal. I'm going to be able to get away with anything. Fuck it. I'll rob a bank and I'll smoke some drugs. Yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I'm looking forward to seeing it though. It, look, it, looks, it looks interesting. I'm not bothered about murdering people. Ah, you know what I mean? It, Actually, no. I, 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 to be honest, I could have murdered the guy who, as the BBSC title card for Byzantium came up, answered his phone. Yeah, I, I had a guy who, in front of me, checked his phone, like, every single three minutes, but left after the first 45 minutes. Uh, only sec- I, I, I have a rule. If people do it once, you know, they're a cunt. They do it twice, they're asking to be told they're a cunt. So, I, yeah, I, 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 give people two, I give people two chances, and then I don't give a shit. I will, I will, I will say to you, can you, not, can you not do that, please? I couldn't be fucked. My back was hurting too much. <laughs> I did. I'd have to say to the guy who's on his phone, kind of go, "Dude, phone." And he turned round and shrugged at me. I thought, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Answered your phone in a fucking cinema. Fucking prick. Anyway, um, <laughs> tangent over. Um, nice. Here are um, some promos for podcasts uh, we like, and then we're gonna um, delve into some one old and some one new kind of. Um, so there were some promos for a uh, podcast we like uh, Ian, do you want to give us your first one old or one new yeah well I'll um... oh bloody hell, sorry I've just seen uh, After Earth didn't even get number two at the US box no, office this weekend reading it fuck that's rough it, it, and it pulled in something ridiculous like 35 million dollars no it was less than yeah, no, um, Now You See Me was number two at 28.1, apparently. That's fucking brutal. That's brutal for Now You See Me. Um, After Earth got 27 million. No, uh, Now You See Me, they were predicting low 20s. That overperformed. And what's the budget on that, though? The budget must be pretty fucking high on that. 
Now you see me, seventy-five million. Oh, I suppose that's not too bad then, actually, is it? I thought it'd be fun, that's yeah. Like if it's US only, by the time they got international, that flick's going to be fine. Anyway, like we've been bashing after Earth a lot, but bloody hell! Like even you think even with the Will Smith connection, it would get like four. You know, the big mistake they made is having both of them on every fucking chat show because I I, I went to watch the Graham Norton thing. Um, and I lasted two minutes before I turned it off, thinking, but I've never seen arrogance like those two sat on a sofa. It was, it was, it was, it was cringing to watch. Anyway, like, let's let's get yeah. off the after yes. thing. I, I like the the thing is, I'm defiantly not try, trying to not be a not be a hater when it comes to After Earth because I just think the whole narrative of that film is. Oh, I'm like Shyamalan, a ding dong, doesn't he suck? And that's getting a bit fucking stale. But anyway, then again, like the problem is he does suck. He he is shit. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean that that is the problem. But you know, it just yeah. I I get you. I I don't like hating on movies. I prefer to concentrate on movies that I like. Mm. Anyway, yes. So um, I'll 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 kick off with my um, one old because we like there's only one one new, so I'll save it for later. Um, I haven't watched too much old this week. I've only got two, and they're both Star Trek films. Uh, I I I watched Star Trek Generations, but I won't talk about that because I don't like it as much. Um, Data in Star Trek Generations is the worst. Um, e- uh, uh, so I'll talk about Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, which I think I'd only seen once before, and it was I'm pretty sure it was in the cinema. So I would have been like seven at the time, or maybe even six. So good for me, I suppose. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really like Star Trek six, I must say, um, holds up really well. It's over 20 years uh, old and the CG zero gravity blood doesn't hold up very well. But the rest of it's pretty. To be honest, a lot of the time, strong. modern um, zero gravity blood looks like shit, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, quite. And um, I mean, I think not helping this is just the fact that it's purple because it's Klingon. blood. Oh, right. But um, <laughs> Uh, you know, which which yeah, which is bad. But um, yeah, no, Star Trek Six. So the thing is, as well as being like a, a really quite interesting thriller. I mean, the, the plot for those who don't know, uh, the Klingons, uh, their their moon has blown up. Praxis, their moon has blown up, and it's like six months until uh, Kling- the Klingon home planet Kronos is. Uh, destroyed or something like that uh and so the klingons basically go uh somewhat cap in hand to the federation and say can you help us you know we'll you know we'll negotiate a peace treaty um kirk despite uh klingons killing his son um and him being prejudiced against them is chosen to escort their uh commissioner person to the summit uh, but wouldn't you know it, um, Kirk is somewhat framed for trying to blow up a Klingon ship and murdering the uh, person. Uh, Kirk didn't do it, but his uh, opinions on the Klingons are well known. Uh, he faces trial along with Bones, uh, is sent down for it, and Spock and company have to try and investigate the mystery to see what actually happened. So you've got this... Uh, you know, obviously homaging Sherlock Holmes kind of detective plot, uh, mixed with like a prison escape film, mixed with a good amount of social commentary, and it's not often that Kirk 
in Star Trek, in the Star Trek films, you ever got to kind of see the kind of the dark side beneath him, really. But it, but it is there, and it is there in his prejudice. And it's it's refreshing to see that kind of thing get questioned and get analysed in at least some detail. And like, I've been I've, I've been going through the uh, the Star Trek films. Like I watched Star Trek Motion Picture for the first time, and I'm not going to talk about that. But I, I watched that for the first time, and like I really enjoyed that. And it, it really does make my feelings on Star Trek Into Darkness go down even more, because these films have. Um, I, 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 I don't know. They, they, they have more to them. And Star Trek was a very, very fun ride. Into Darkness feels like it wants to talk about other issues. And apparently there's something at the end of Star Trek Into Darkness where they pay tribute to like the victims of 9-11 or something, uh, which, which is which is mental. Um, and the, the whole kind of surface level, oh... This looks a bit like 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 9/11, doesn't it? Kind kind of stuff in Star Trek Into Darkness, mm. compared to actually prodding and poking the motivations of your lead character, who's not whiter than white, unlike in Star Trek Into Darkness, where Kirk basically is. You know, where Kirk, even though he's a little bit disrespectful and he's a little bit off the leash, he always gets the job done. His instincts are always right. That kind of thing. It, it's it it, it, it feel, it does I can see why people do think the Abrams films are dumbing things down because they are yeah um and and that is a shame I know and I know you liked Into Darkness more than me I, 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 I did but I, I I can absolutely um see Into Darkness's flaws um quite clearly but um like I said before I think a lot of um um my um the reason why I think I liked it slightly more than you was because I'm less familiar with the Star Trek world than you are. Um, you hold uh, the Wrath of Khan quite quite dear. It, it, you know, it, it's yes. one of your. You know, I really like Wrath of Khan, but I haven't seen it in a number of years. I have a feeling maybe if I watched Wrath of Khan a couple of weeks before Star Trek Into Darkness, I might not have had as much of a, a, a good time with it. And also as well, I didn't know the um, Benedict coming back today i didn't know that and I, I didn't i didn't pick up on that because because i've been exposed to, to that um to that world as much so the thing is i've got i got that punching moment and also uh, the punching moment of the calm bit um wasn't it, it, in my brain i wasn't comparing it to something else so i could look beyond the, the flaws a little bit easier i think than some people the thing is like he in, in, in Into Darkness, not to get back into this too much, but in Into Darkness, he, for all it was worth, he may as well have been called Captain Mango. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, it just, what was the point of calling him Khan, apart from having the most lazy, like, firing off the synapses of nostalgia in people to try and hide the fact that you, you've got plotting, which is just very, very surface level and rather boring like it, it's the, 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 i mean the homages in into darkness are pandering but they're also pandering in the way that they're they're all, they also to me feel like they're condescending and, 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 and i mean that, that 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 was a problem but star trek 6 undiscovered country uh it's a lot of fun and it works very well just as a standalone film um 
And it's also got William Shatner going, let them die, which is uh, awesome. So, yeah, that's my one album. Cool. Um, right, I will come to my... Well, I'll explain the one new thing. Um, I... Um, we recorded last Monday, um, not last Sunday, so we've actually had six days in between. Um, and during that time, I was at work two full days, so only actually had four days to watch stuff. Um, and it was only last night that I realised, shit, I haven't watched anything new yet this week. So I thought I'd watch Parker, the Jason Statham movie. Um but I've been out because it was mine and my wife's um, 10 year wedding anniversary on Friday and went out for something to eat oh, last night. Um, and so I had a couple of drinks, put Parker on, uh, and lasted about 40 minutes into it, of which I was enjoying it thoroughly. Uh, and then I woke up this morning. Uh, and I didn't have time to watch the rest of it. So that would have been my one new. So what I've had to do is slightly cheat a little bit. Um, and I'm going to talk about a film that I I watched a little I watched a couple of times when I was younger, but I haven't watched it since I was maybe oh what um, eleven. So you're talking nineteen years. So I remember that I liked this film, uh, and I remember the actual gen. I remember a couple of bits about it, but was constantly watching it, going oh god yeah oh my god, and I I didn't remember the ending at all, I just remember that, that certain things happened in it. And the film is um, 1992's Deep Cover. Have you ever seen this? No. I am going to go... I'm not going to go at all spoilery on this. Okay. At all. Um, Deep Cover, 1992 um, film. Uh, I, it, the reason why I watched it is um, last week when we talked about Who's the Man... Uh, I mentioned that uh, in the early 90s, you got a lot of these um, these movies that focused on uh, American black culture, um, spurred on by the success sure. of these, the Spike Lee films. You know, it was something that Hollywood, maybe not Hollywood as such, but the outside of Hollywood, uh, the, the fringes of Hollywood were looking at. Uh, and one of these was uh, that came out was Deep Cover. You've got... Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, when he was still Larry Fishburne. Uh, actually, this is the last yes. time he was credited as Larry Fishburne. Uh, and you've got uh, Jeff Goldblum um, as well in this film. And it's actually directed by Bill Duke. Uh, oh, wow, yes. really? Um, nice. Uh, it's a... Um, to give it a brief overview, uh, you've got Lawrence Fishburne plays John Stevens, who, when he's a kid, um, his um, father a drug addict and an alcoholic and um, he's killed in front of John um, and the last thing his dad says to him is don't ever end up like me uh, so John ends up 20 years later with Pastor John and he's a cop he's taken in by um, a DEA specialist um, called Gerald Carver who's played by Charles Martin Smith, best known for uh, his performance in The Untouchables, um, and who basically says to him, you know, your psychological profile and your history, it, it plays out like a criminal. You know, you are perfect to be a criminal, but you're not. You're a straight-laced cop. You know, it's a point he's made of the fact that he has never had a drink in his life, never touched drugs, Never committed a crime. He's a, a straight-laced cop, but not like a goody-two-shoes straight-laced cop. You know, he's still got a, an aura about him and an intelligence and, you know, 
and a determination. So what the idea is, is the DA are basically going to put him in as a deep undercover guy with the idea of getting um, to, you know, the, the top of this, um, of the tree, essentially. Um, the idea is that he's there to get um, a, bit, a guy called um, Anton uh, Gallegos, who apparently supplies 44% uh, of drugs in the LA area, which is like makes him the major supplier um one of the people that works with gallegos is a um a lawyer played by jeff goldblum um called david jason um who is coming up with this synthetic drug um that isn't illegal and he wants to go on and do that that's as much i'm going to talk about the story um i i really like this film when i was about 10 11 years old i remember renting it a few times um and I remember liking it, but like I say, I've not watched it in sort of um, in nearly twenty years. Um, but I've got all the copy of it based on the fact that I thought after we said it, I thought, Do you know what, I fancy watching Deep Cover again. Um, I I don't know why I haven't watched this movie in the past nearly twenty years. It is incredible. It is a noiristic crime. Um, thriller um with Lawrence Fishburne a um and I've watched quite a few um, Lawrence Fishburne films um he's never in my eyes done anything better than this um Goldblum it is at his absolute best because he gets to have his Goldblumisms he gets to have his, his you know his um story moments where he kind of goes like that but also he's playing a badass you know he gets to go a little bit you know, a little bit power crazy. And not like, rah, power crazy, like fucking just really intense. And it's not, it, it's a very controlled Fishburne performance, that Goldblum performance, a very focused performance. There's none of the the weirdicisms that you often get from him. Um, it, it, it's it's an incredible film. And I was, I, I was watching it and I got closer and closer to the end Um and was sort of sat there, and I at one point I had to go to the, the, the bathroom, and I paused it about twenty minutes from the end, and I was all right. I'm going to get myself a off and I get myself a drink. And I sat down, and before I started it again, I was hit with this feeling of, oh my god, this is a this is a fucking nine out of ten movie. Wow. Okay. Um, and I thought, do you know what? I'm I'm fucking I'm I got that. You know, you you really you're really enjoying a movie, and you you know you, in the back of your mind you're thinking, do you know what? I I, I want to tell people to watch this movie. Um, you know, I wanna I wanna share how great this movie is, and then you get hit by that thing of, but I kind of don't, because if somebody says, ah shit, I will go, all right, fine, that's your opinion. Makes you a cunt, but it's your opinion. And I'm very much of that. If, if somebody else doesn't like a movie that I like, fine, fair enough. Doesn't bother me as long as I like it. I will explain to them the reasons why I like it and say, look, these reasons why I like it, um, what are the reasons why you don't like it, or it's this and this. If it's just a general, they just don't get on with it, fine. If I, But I'll, I'll still put my thing across. Whereas there are a few films that I feel that I can get quite protective of, where I'll be very much like, no, you're wrong, you're an idiot, so I'm not going to talk about it. 
Uh, and this, I know now has become one of those movies. The opening shot of this movie, while the credits are going, is a shot that comes up later on in the movie. And it's a completely insignificant shot that comes up later on with this movie. But it's a shot of a guy, um, two guys, stood in a smoke, you know, a marijuana and crack smoke filled room. And a guy raising a crack pipe up to his mouth and, and lighting it with a lighter with a Dr. Dre song over the top of it. And it's all done in slow motion, but it's got like a red, it's all in like a fucking red tinge to it. And at that moment when that started, and this is the opening credits, I was watching it thinking, this is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then my brain started going, why haven't you watched this movie? It's going to be fucking amazing. And all the way through it, and when it finished, I was like, do you know what? I could, If I had time right now, I'd just start it again and just watch it again. Because this is fucking incredible. And I have no idea why it took me nearly 20 years to go back to deep cover. It, for me, it is shot straight into like my possibly my top 20 films of all time. It is an incredible um, take on the sort of neo-noir uh, things that you had in the, the early 90s. Um, honestly, buddy, um, watch it. It is magnificent. I can't see a reason for why you wouldn't like this movie. It is nice. brilliant. Okay. Cool, so that's Deep Cover, yeah? Deep Cover, yeah. It, it might be one of those movies where... You're going to watch it and go, what the fuck is Mark yeah, talking about? Yeah, it might be yeah. one of those, because I have a habit of of being like that. But genuinely, it is brilliant. Um, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, his performance is magnificent. There's, a, there's an ending. There's, a, there's, there's, there's an ending that is on a... Uh, and this gives away nothing about the ending. There's an ending at a docks. Um, and... Fucking Fishburn and Goldblum are just absolutely electric. With each other. Okay. It's magnificent. Absolutely fucking loved it. Cannot understand for the life of me why Deep Cover isn't spoken about as one of those forgotten classics of the uh, of the nineties. Should be up there with stuff like um, King of New York and things like that. As you know, those outside of Hollywood, fucking 90s greats. Wonderful. Go on, man. I'm on it. Um, so, what is your uh, one old for us this week? Uh, uh, well, my one, one new, so yeah, one old is um, Dark Castle, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, my one new is a film that I watched last night. Um, managed to fit in three films yesterday, Byzantium and The Purge, in this one. Uh, it's on Netflix UK. I was watching it in bed. Um, John McTiernan. Oh, please, please, please say Rollerball. Rollerball. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Do you do, I, do you like Rollerball? Love it. <laughs> oh, it, but in 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 a kind of like a hurt so good. Way. Oh yes, in 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 a, in, okay. a, in a this is so terrible. I don't know uh, how this how 
people managed to make a film. People who'd made other films that were so good managed to make a film that is so bad. And I know you're going to come to it, but a certain stylistic choice halfway through the film that is just there for no fucking reason and makes no sense at all. All Let's take that on straight away then. Um, that sequence, uh, <laughs> well, it's it's basically uh, it's a normal action sequence. Yes, it's com- completely normal action sequence, but it's in night vision. <laughs> um, <laughs> now the thing is, I actually. I think that's quite a fucking cool... I, I liked that sequence, but <laughs> why? There's no reason for it at all. There's no reason like, for it. Even, there's, no, there's no construct that tells you that why it's in night vision. It just is. No, because they're, they're, they're trying to get away, but like the bad guys are obviously chasing them nobody's using night vision yep. because otherwise it would all be just like whited out constantly. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely barking. Yep. But the thing is, I can't help but think it's just John McTiernan just thinking, I need to do something with this film, at least something because otherwise I'm going to shoot my fucking brains out. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm going to do this. Um, do you know if it was actually filmed in night vision? Uh, no, I don't think it was. I think it was post-converted into night vision. Yeah, okay. Because I was thinking about how fucking difficult that whole thing must have been. So I suppose that makes sense. Mm. Um, just just why? Like, I, I would love to know why, apart from John McTiernan was really bored. Do you know, do you know what? I think that's the reason. And that's the only reason why I can think is that John McTiernan went. Do you know what? Fuck it. Let's do this in night vision. Why? I. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why not? And yeah, and because I mean, apart from that, the, the, I mean, the, the film is brutal. It is, it is a an absolute fucking stinker, isn't it? It is. I mean, the idea of Rollerball. I mean, it's a remake. Uh, of a James Brown yeah. movie, the idea of it was it was supposed to launch Chris Klein's career as an action star. Was the idea behind it, which is a terrible idea. Which is a terrible idea because I I don't mind Chris Klein as as, as a presence. I think he can be amusing as a comedic actor. Like for instance, in Just Friends, he's quite funny, but but, but, but he he's doesn't... not a good actor. He's got no facial expressions in this film whatsoever. No. I don't. I don't think he's just got one facial expression. I think he's got none. Yes. He, he, he. I mean, he may as well just be a face of skin <laughs> for for all the facial he's expressions got a face he like has. A man's thigh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, to be honest, my thigh has got more personality. <laughs> At least it's got some like spots on it. You know. Um, and some hair. Yeah. I, 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 it just brutal. I mean, LL Cool J is LL Cool J. He is exactly the same as he is in everything else. Yep. Uh, Rebecca Romaine Stamos is basically doing a, a doing her version of an Eastern European accent. <laughs> so bad. 
and, and that's about it. Her performance is the accent. And Jean Renault uh, continues his... Um, shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his climb into fatness, I would say. Uh, that starts in Leon and ends in Alex Cross. Um, he's on his way. Yeah. Um, it, it, it just... It, there's, the thing is, it's like, there's no social commentary in it whatsoever, even though it's trying. I do like the way that Pink is is basically the, 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 the evil of consumerism put into a person. Like, she just pops up in the background on giant t- screen TVs in adverts. Yeah. It, I, 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 it just... Just why? I, it, it, it's... It is, it is moronic, but it's the worst kind of moronic where it does seem to think it's saying stuff at times. Mm. It, 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 it's a little bit... It's, it's trying to be futuristic whilst also being really fucking dated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, God, the, the soundtrack as well. Yeah. It, I just, it's all new metal all the time. And, and also, the game of Roarball is just beyond confusing. Yeah, yeah, okay. So they've got to pick up the ball. Yep. They've then got to make it round the figure of eight. Yeah. And then they've got to go start going around again and then jump up in the air over the rabbit hole and throw the ball in the into the, the thing loud, like hard enough to make the pyro go off. Yep. Yeah, why have some of them got motorbikes? Yeah, though I was about to say, <laughs> what are the motorbikes about then? It makes, because yeah, it, it, what are they going to do? Run people that, over? That's all they that's can do. That's all they can do. It, it it doesn't make sense to me. I, 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 I'll be honest. I've watched this film more than once as well. I've watched this film a couple of times, and I I, I, have, I have no idea what the rules are. And then you watch it, and you're thinking. He just scored, but he didn't seem to go around twice. Yeah. So, if, uh, do you know what? The least of the problems is the rules of this retarded game. Yeah. But yeah, it's it it's a terrible movie. But do you know what? It it it's it as a one watch thing, you can go away from it going that was terrible. But do you know what? It had me smiling a few times. Uh, yeah, though I mean, like it's it's a one star film, but I had fun watching it once. Yes, yeah. like I said, I've I've, but, I've I've watched it twice, um, and I had fun both times. Yeah, but I it oh, brutal. It, it's it's really really bad. It is really really bad. I, I will I will concur on that one. Uh, okay, buds, uh, let's finish up. Uh, my one old. Um, Sweet. Well, I've watched. I've actually watched a few uh, other things, um, but um, I, I'm feeling that I've been quite negative on films that I've covered in my one old one news recently. So I, I decided to to talk about something that I liked because I had a choice between uh, the film that I'm going to talk about, or I also watched, um, rewatched Tomb Raider, which I did watch when it first came out and kind of enjoyed on a pure kind of entertainment level. Uh, and then I rewatched it um, last Monday, um, and my God, what a terrible film! Um, it is. Have you, have you, you've, you've, you've seen Tomb Raider, haven't you? Oh yeah. Have you watched it? No, not recently. In like, the past like six, seven years. God, no. It's fucking awful. 
I mean, yeah. it, it, it's painful. But I was about an hour in. I paused it and started looking and said, right, we're an hour in. And all that's happened is, is she's found a clock and she's jumped around. And let's be honest, Angelina Jolie's body double has been in this more than Angelina Jolie. So, oh, you know, that was terrible. So I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about Heathers because I watched this again the other night and I've watched this dozens of times. I end up watching sure. it a couple of times. Well, not a couple of times. Once, about once every year, I end up watching Heathers. Um, and every time I watch it, I'm always hit by um, by the same thing. Is that it is one of the best written um, teen movies um, of all time. I mean, you've got in one film quotes ranging from, you know, the fuck me gently with a chainsaw line which just comes out of absolutely nowhere and is wonderful the Veronica why are you pulling my dick line um, the, the fucking mineral water you know if you're not if you're not if you're in Ohio if you're not struggling on a, on a brewski um, you might as well be wearing a dress and then later on the guy's going you know does this explain it and pulling out the mineral water and then the, the line which gets me every time when Veronica turns to her parents and I think you have seen Heathers, haven't you? No. You've not seen Heathers? No, I it's oh, it's a massive blind spot. God. There's a great line in it which is all we want to do is be treated like human beings, not to be experimented on like guinea pigs or patronised like bunny rabbits. And her dad turns <laughs> around and goes, I don't patronise bunny rabbits. And it's just <laughs> wonderful. Oh God. Honestly, mate, it is an absolutely glorious. You've got Winona Ryder being, you know, Winona Ryder like she was, you know, late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, she became everybody's crush. You know, from, you know, anyone who was between the ages of 10 and 25 had a crush on Winona Ryder in, around that time. She was gorgeous, intelligent and wonderful and she basically still has a career now because of the film she made around this time and you've got Christian Slater talking, which you know he's just wonderful at doing um, again, not going to go into too much into it because again, you've got to watch Heathers it is a magnificent sure. just, it is angst in a film but done in such a a satirical way without being kind of it's so knowing but without doing the nudge nudge wink wink kind of thing it's so over the top and wonderful it's just an incredible movie but I'm not going to talk too much about it because if you watch it over the next few weeks when you get a chance we'll talk about it more then so cool. um, yeah. um an absolutely glorious uh, movie uh, which has some of the most wonderfully quotable lines and has you smiling for pretty much its entire runtime. Christian Slater at his absolute best. Wonderful movie. Sorry. Um, right. <laughs> It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage it. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. 
Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. And romance. Now he's decided it's time to go back. For just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents. You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really it's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep, keep a secret. Okay, we're up to our um, our next instalment of our double demi marathon. Um, this time we're going for a non-fictional, um, non-narrative film, and we're looking at the Talking Heads movie "Stop Making Sense," which is concert film directed by Jonathan Demi. Um, and here, he, well, actually, to be honest, there's not a little clip from it because the song at the start of the podcast you're going to have heard um, is going to have been from um, "Stop Making Sense." What song you're doing? You I, I don't know. Um, the the listeners will already know this, but we won't. Um, probably Psycho Killer. Yeah. Um, on it because it 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 kind of gives you the idea of the construct of the film more than anything else. Um, so uh, concert movie um, shot uh, over the course of three separate um, shows um, in the Hollywood Panthers Theatre in uh, December of 1983. Um, they were promoting the new album Speaking in Tongues. Uh, the choreographing, I suppose, is the best way to call it, uh, is all done um, by David Byrne um, for this film. Uh, one of the actual um, shows they used was mostly the uh, wide shots and everything like that, and the majority of what you see close up is um, actually from sort of two separate shows, and they've sort of mixed it together. Um, you can tell bits from different shows because um, David Byrne has different hair and different outfits. different outfits. So they're not trying to conceit the fact that this is, is two separate shows. It, it, it's very much there, but they're not also saying, this is one show, this is the other show. Um, so it, it, it does work very well. Um Ian, uh, what did you think of um, Stop Making Sense? And before, um, are you a big uh, Talking Heads fan, firstly? Uh, no. 
um, you know, uh, it, it, and it's it's just because I, I don't have a lot of experience uh, of them apart from, you know, I, I recognised probably half the songs that were um, in this, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, but I will say I enjoyed every single one. Um, yeah, I, I had a great deal of fun with this, actually, I must say. Um, the yeah, it, it's it's the staging of it that I think makes it. I mean, you, you can definitely see why Jonathan Demi would have been interested in, in tackling a, a, a project like this. Um, and, I mean, as, as well as that, just... The, the cutting and the editing and whatnot, it really, really, really makes you feel like you're there, I, I felt, anyway. Um, the the energy of it, and, I mean, even though, I mean, that the cast of characters as such, like the band, the band members kind of do that as much as anything else, but... Um, I, I I like I did like the staging of it. I mean, the the the, the beginning is fantastic. It is magnificent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like David Byrne just like coming up with that little boombox, mm. uh, and then just like coming like coming into Psycho Killer, and the way I like the way that you know the band is kind of like they kind of come on stage over the course of a few songs, and it really just that in itself makes you concentrate on the sounds that the latest edition is making and just how important they are to the whole thing even if like at the start it is just him basically doing psycho killer w- uh, with a guitar mm. um but you know the, the way the drum comes in then suddenly you're just noticing that the drums a lot more and then um uh when gina uh, what's her name <laughs> is on with the bass and suddenly you notice the bass much more and then by by the time they're all together you really are just pay, it, it makes you pay attention mm. to fuck to everything and uh, i it was really well done uh, but yeah no I'm, we'll get into it but i really really enjoyed yeah, it yeah i mean the the idea of it um is cuz there's not a lot of a lot of the time when you get um concert releases not concert movies this is a concert movie it's very different movie, yeah. than buying um a blu-ray dvd whatever of somebody's live gig um it's very different to that this this is there's an idea behind this there's a construct behind this but it's not a performance it's not a there's no story behind it this isn't like um you know this isn't like when fucking bowie does one of his concept things you know this is just this is just a concept but they've turned it into a movie and the idea is there's there's no shots of the crowd's reactions or anything like that uh, and there's very little uh, audience noise, uh, and th- that was purposefully done because what Demi and um, the band wanted to do was they wanted to make sure that as you're watching it, not from the audience, as you're watching it as a as a movie, that you're getting the energy there, and you're getting the energy there, and you're not being fed off the essential the audience that's there that's enjoying it. So the idea is everyone that's there that's enjoying the concert. It's obviously, a, you know, largely 99% of them will be big Talking Heads fans. So they're going to clap every song anyway. And they're going to clap every performance anyway because they're there to see the Talking Heads. Now, you watch the movie, uh, you might not be a massive Talking Heads fan. So, you know, your liking of it has to come from the band on stage and from 
that your experience of it, not the audience's experience of it. And that that very much does work. And, you know, the fact that you've got a, a, a band as such that are so egoless that they will allow to be, you know, David Byrne to kind of go, right, I'm going to be on from one to, you know, to the last song, with the exception of one song. But you're going to start coming in. The fact that the, the, the effectively one of the guitarists doesn't come in till track four, it, you know... Is, the, the other river yeah, guitarist. He's yeah, yeah. telling, you know, the fact that he's got the, you know, he's, he's on board with David Byrne going, do you know what? Yep, this is, you know, this is your show. You know, we'll we'll let you fucking do this because we, we believe in it. Um, and what is very much, you know, the fact that David Byrne, he's got, they're not dance moves, they're performance moves that he's doing. You know, these things... Oh, it, it, it all feels, like, very choreographed. Yeah. I mean, that stuff he does uh, in Psycho Killer at the end. Oh, yeah. That's obviously planned. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the, the, it's, it, the idea for that is it's taken from um, the film Breathless. Um, and oh, machine gun okay. shots, and that's yeah. it, and the staggering, it's taken from that. So, yeah. And, and that's the idea before it, and the opening credits are basically lifted from Doctor Strangelove. Strangelove, uh, yeah. And stuff like that. So, there's all that, but... There's, there's a moment uh, where, and I think it's during um, found a job, it might have been, or it might have been burning down the house, uh, where he's dancing with the backing dancers, and they're mirroring, he's playing the guitar and doing like a, a leg dance kind of thing, and then mirroring... Oh, and that, that one is doing that and kind of doing the guitar as yeah. well. And you look yeah, at yeah, it, yeah. and with David Byrne, I got the feeling of what you're looking at is... You're looking at an incredibly intelligent man um, who is very much in tune to what he knows his audience can react to. And he's very much like, right, I know that these people that are in front of me are going to be on board with this and that they're going to enjoy it and they're going to enjoy the experience of this. And it's not, look how quirky I'm doing these weird leg dances. It's a there's something larger to it. It's a, sure. it, it, there's an idea behind it, and it, it, it just it is so captivating to watch. It's it's brilliant, but it's fun and there's an energy in the running around the stage. It's not him going, look how crazy I'm. I'm going to run around the stage. It's a, it, it makes sense for some reason. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I was just agreeing. Um. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It, 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 it is him kind of just leading the bands and, you know, say, like, getting them to do, do these kinds of moves. And like you say, it doesn't really feel eccentric. It just exactly, yeah, perfect. feels it, you know. Yeah, it, it feels there's a purpose behind it and there's a, there's a whole idea and a construct behind, behind it from start to finish um, where it's, 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 to show an enjoyment in music, um, and it's to show a release that you can, that you can just let yourself be drawn in by it and be taken over by it, and it doesn't have to yeah. be, you don't have to be off your face to do it, you know. You can just enjoy music and revel in the wonder of music, and that's what it is. They all look like they're having a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, no, so, uh, yeah, well, that, absolutely, and I mean, like, that, that is infectious, um, 
I mean, you've got the uh, Steve something. It's the uh, the the guy who's got like the the tambourine in his hand um, in, in parts. Oh and yeah, I, uh... like that. And he is just jumping around, and he is fucking loving it. Yes, yeah. you, you can tell he's, he's just enjoying being there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, yeah, no, it's quite. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, I mean, it, it is David Byrne's show. Mm. Uh, even though I do, I do like the fact it gives. Uh, he does give that one song over to the uh, to the other guys as well, and like the drummer has his moment in the side. Yeah. Which is... Even if that is a very, oh, we'll let the drummer have his moment kind of a song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's it's nice that they include that in there as well. I, like, I, I think as much as it is David Byrne's thing, I, I think it does it, 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 give enough focus to everything. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's his thing more... It's more his thing because the because he's gone to the band, I've got an idea, and it's this, and they've gone, do you know what? Yeah, like it. Rather than him going, right, we're doing this because this is my band. It's more like it's more like that. Whereas there, there's a moment um, in um, I, I'm not comparing the band. I'm comparing the ideas. There's a moment in PJ Twenty um, where um, Jeff Hammond is the, the 20th anniversary documentary of PJ and Duncan. Yes, the, that that one um, yeah. where. Um, where PJ realizes that um, that um, he couldn't live without Ant's head. I I know I, I cross reference actual names then, but I can't remember either of their names. Uh, PJ and Duncan, Ant and that's Dec. it, Ant and Dec. Fucking nonsense. Um, anyway, it's but uh, no, um, sorry, the, the, the Pearl Jam movie. Um, where Jeff Ant says, you know, that you know, there was a point where he realized that the creative force behind this band was Eddie Vedder. And we realised that we had two choices: either we fought against that, and we we split up like every other band, or we we went along with that, um, and you know we we survived as a band. And it seems to be that that's what's happened here: is that then everybody is on board. This isn't the the pet project of an egomaniac. It's a band going well, we're going to do things a little bit different. And they have done something different, and it, it, it works very well. Yeah, no, 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 totally. Um, I, I, sorry, I was just thinking, as you were saying about the egomaniac, it's like, I, um, back on Cinerama, um, I did a review of uh, True Stories, David Byrne's directorial debut. Mm. And I was just thinking, e- even that, he is the narrator. He is the narrator, and it very much, it, it it very much feels like the front man of Talking Heads did David Byrne's film True Stories. Like they fit really well. But even in that, like the amount of like screen time he just gives to other people, and he lets other character, like other actors, like do their thing and have their moments as well. Like it, it, it yeah, he does seem a very unselfish. I mean, you remember this Gary Byrne is a you know he's a multi award winning guy you know he's got Golden Globes he's got Oscar you know he's got an Oscar he's got numerous Grammys and stuff like this but you know you don't he doesn't seem to get the the critical acclaim or the the celebration that he he probably deserves um, and a large portion of that is because he doesn't court it and doesn't crave it. You know, yes, he doesn't release as much as he used to do, but he's not 
he doesn't seem like a guy who who wants who yearns for attention. He seems like a guy right, sure. who, if he has an idea, be it a um, an art installation or uh, a piece of music or anything like that, he'll do it and he'll share it with the world. But he won't do it and go, look how great this is, how wonderful am I? Please love me. It, it's like that. It's like, oh, I, I've got this great idea and this, and here it is, and you know, I really hope you like it, and you know, and I want to go up and I'm going to do this. And he, he seems more like that, like an actual an artist rather than a performer. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's what very much sort of comes across in this. Um, I, I'm one of those Toyheads fans where I, you know, I've got a couple of albums uh, and I've got the greatest hits, but I would never talk about myself as being a big Talking Heads fan. Um, and then I actually looked at it and realised I've actually got all but two of the albums Um and I do actually listen to them quite a lot, but let's say I, I never describe myself as being a huge Talking Heads fan, but I had a brilliant time with this. Uh, it is actually, it's not the first time I've seen it. I thought it was the first time I'd seen it, um, but about sort of five, ten minutes in, I thought, you know what, I, I've, I've seen this before. And then I remember that we used to have, um, back in the old days when VHSs, you know, they'd just come out. Um, where you could actually buy VHS rather than rent them. Um, yeah. My I own quite quite a lot of VHS, but you know, us actually in the house in like the late eighties, early nineties, we only had a couple of VHSs, uh, and they were a Prince concert, um, a Bruce Springsteen concert, and this, and um, the uh, first two Alien films. So. Nice. Out of those, you know, I watched those quite a few times, um, sort of when I was eight, nine years old. So I've probably seen this a couple of times, to be honest. But first time watching it in decades. Uh, loved it. Thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I yeah, no, I I agree. Actually, I had a really really great time watching it, and um, I I'd be bang up for watching it again. Yeah, me too. I'm, uh, I'm really glad we decided to cover this rather than than doing you know than, than skipping over this this because it wasn't technically a a narrative movie. Yeah, no, I mean in 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 the end of the day, I don't I you know I don't think there's anything stopping us from doing things no, like this when yeah when, when when it legit makes its case for being a film as this does mm. so yeah i was i was let's say um uh, do you have much else to say on um on it definitely not definitely shit, not shit. By, a fucking long by, a, by a long long stretch um one of the best concert movies i've seen uh, without sure. question um, so next week um, for our we're, we're back to a Ted Demi one um, it's either the ref or beautiful girls yeah um, um, if it if it sways things I've never seen beautiful girls have you not we'll, we'll, no. we'll go beautiful girls because the ref's good but it is a little bit it is a little bit Dennis Leary being quick talking Dennis Leary Um uh, I, yeah, I don't think there's much to talk there's, about. There's not. There's beautiful girls. There's a lot more to talk about. Um, I mean, just look at that cast. Uh, the ref even, sorry. If, uh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, bang up for doing so it. So it'll be beautiful girls we'll talk about next week. Um, right, uh, Twitter questions. 
I am right. We have Twitter questions, aren't we? We have missed something. We are indeed. Uh, no, no, we're just we're, um, we're doing we're blasting very... through this, aren't we? Yeah, this, this, yeah. this, this week. I, I, I think we. The thing is, we're doing about two hours now, whereas we used to do about two and a half, three. I think we've just found our natural rhythm a bit more. Yep. Like, like a like a fifteen-year-old <laughs> masturbating. <sighs> yes. Um, right. <laughs> so, um, questions. Um, again, we we. We, we didn't give people much time to put in questions this week. Um, and it's a very, in the UK, it's a very nice Sunday afternoon. So um, we haven't had many responses. Um, but like I say, if you do want to, if you cut the question throughout the week or while you're listening to um, this episode, if you cut the question about any of the films you covered in this episode or anything like that, fire them off, whatever. Don't fucking wait for us to ask. Uh, get them in whenever. Uh, but we've got one from uh, Glenn T. Chapman. Uh, with the magnificent-looking Mr. Go being a real thing, what animal-based <laughs> sports movies would you like to make? I'd quite like to see bears play ice hockey. A bit of context on this one. Um, James Marsh uh, of Twitch Film and, uh, and George Magazine Verite um, tweeted about a Korean film about a gorilla who plays baseball yes. and it, it's called Mr. Go 3D. It, it, uh, looks, it looks fucking incredible. Yes. Uh, there, there is a making of feature out on YouTube. Um, yeah, but uh, it, I don't know. Um, a monkey remake of Aguirre, The Wrath of God. <laughs> And that would be that would be brilliant. Would the monkeys be like monkeys, or would they be monkeys but just like be able to talk like normal people? It would be exactly, exactly the same film, but just monkeys. But monkeys instead. Of I humans, would watch yeah. the apps. I I think Herzog, if for some reason he ever listens to this podcast, will go. Why haven't I made that movie yet? I think Herzog could make it. That, uh, If anyone could make monkeys do Aguirre the Wrath of God, it's Herzog. Yes, I, I think I, I, I could get behind that um, completely. Um, mine would be um, World War Z, but instead of, zam- instead of zombies, uh, it'd be badgers. World War Badgers. World War Badgers. Um, and I, have I ever told you my, my badger story? Um, no. right, I have a great badger story, so I'm gonna go off on a on a non-film related tangent. But this is just because it's a great story. Okay. Um, our old house where we used to live, um, where we do not where we live now, our old house, um, it backs onto a river, uh, and you used to get sort of all manner of sort of river-like wildlife in there. But we also had a, it was like a communal garden with a strip. There's a strip of four houses, and we lived in one of the middle ones, and the garden at the back. There was no fences to separate the gardens, so it was just one big garden. Um, and one time there was a, in the morning, went outside, and there was a badger uh, within the back garden outside. And so um, I went, oh, there's a badger outside. And they're quite, badgers are quite big. Um, and so I took out a little bowl of, um, like, veg, so a couple of carrots uh, and some lettuce and stuff, and a, a, a bowl of water. Uh, and so I like, put that out, uh, and I give um, the councillor a ring, and I can get given a number for somebody to ring, and they can come and get this badger, because I don't want it going the other side of my house, because it'll get run over. So 
I rang up and ended up getting through to animal services or whatever. And they said, right, where are you right now? I said, well, I'm in my garden. I said, how close are you to the banjo? I said, well, I don't know, he's about two foot away from me. And they said, right, go in the house now. I'm like, all right, why? Because badgers are, they're extremely dangerous. It's like, all right. He said, they can get quite aggressive. I was like, okay, fine. So, went in the house. So, went in the house, closed the door. I went, right, have you closed the door? I think, yeah, I've closed the door. Went, have you locked it? I said, but, no, but can badgers use doors? And yeah, said, yeah. Lock the door. I was like, are you being, are you being serious? Lock the door? It's a badger. Can it, do they have thumbs? So, like, yeah. I was like, all right, I'm locking the door. I went, can anybody else access the garden? I said, well, yeah, they they can. He said, right. Well, what are they going to do? Put like purposely put the badger in your house? So said, well, um, well, I don't. I said, I don't think there's anybody out there. So right, we'll, we'll be there as soon as we can. Um, don't approach the badger and stay indoors. What? Like, it's just a badger. He seems fine. <laughs> so anyway, literally ten minutes later, these two guys arrived. And I, and I answered, went out the door. And I said. Right, where's the badger? He's round the back of the house. Went, right, can, can you can you point out the badger? I think, well, yeah, fine. He's in the back garden. I said, well, what's he doing? He said, well, he's just sat eating a carrot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we went into the house, and they went in from one side. And there's these two guys, one with a net, and one with you know one of the the poles with the the hook the hoop around the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, they're sort of approaching it. The badger, essentially, is sat upright on his butt, right? And he's got, in one hand, a carrot, and in the other hand, or claw, paw, whatever they have, a bit of lettuce. And they're sort of approaching really tentatively. And all he's doing is eating his carrot and just kind of looking at them, not moving or anything. Mm. And then they we're looking at this from our window at our patio doors and they put the hook thing over his neck and he just sort of looks at them looks down the hook thing and then takes another bite of his carrot <laughs> and then they put the net over him and they kind of like really just kind of like scoop him up into the net and then two of them pick up this net thing and walk off with him so the, what is it and I was watching him and they walk off and he, all he's doing is he's just sat in this net not not struggling or anything like that, just eating his carrot and eating his lettuce. And then they put him in the back in this cage bit, and he, I looked at him in the cage, the, the cage bit in the back um, of this van thing they had, and he's still just eating his carrot and eating his bit of lettuce. And the, I turned around and went, what, was that it? I went, yeah. I said, I said, I said, I said, you're really lucky. Why? Because... You know, they're incredibly aggressive. It's like, oh, yeah, he looks like a man-killer him, doesn't he? And I said, so what, what happens now? He said, well, they're all tagged badgers around here. I said, so we know where he'll be from. So what, what happens now? I said, oh, we, we take him, we deworm them, deflee them, give them all jabs, uh, and he gets, a, you know, they get washed and everything like that, and then we take them back. It's like, so it's like a spa for badgers. Like, well, well, that's pretty sweet. I just, I, I was, I, honestly, I might have bored people with my little badger story, but honestly, they were, uh, no, I enjoyed they it. were acting like he was this fucking killer, like there was a bear in my back garden, and it was just a badger, and he, he, yeah. he seemed really nice. Um, so we do actually have another question. Um, have, you, have you got any questions? Uh, no, I'm all right. Um, 
We've got another question uh, from a new question from a guy called Andy McCartan, who's Road Doc or our uh, yeah. Yeah, Andy, uh, he's a Fright Fest regular. Ah, right. Uh, I might have caught up with him last year at some point and just not known him. Yeah, I think, I think you might have, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, who says, just watched Muriel's wedding. Your thoughts on it? Bonza or a pile of bingo shite? Never seen it. No interest whatsoever. Uh, I've seen it. Um, saw it when it came out. Uh, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Uh, have a feeling if I watched it now, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much as my memory tells me that I did. So I'm happy with the memory in my brain at the moment where I go, do you know what? I enjoyed that more than I thought I would. So I'll keep it like that and I'll not watch it again. Um, So, yeah. So at the moment, yeah, I thought it was perfectly all right, perfectly enjoyable film. But now... With my complete, utter fucking hatred for all things ABBA, I think if I watched it now, I'd probably be punching myself in the face for the majority of it. That's fair. Um, I think that's that's actually it for questions. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, next week, uh, we will hopefully uh, be doing a Iceman VHS 2 um, double bill. Um, who, yeah. who are the directors for VHS 2? Because... As we know, I've said I really didn't like VHS. Uh, yeah, I wasn't into VHS either. I tried re-watching it. No. Uh, yeah, so who are the directors? This is VHS um, 2. 2. You've got Simon Barrett. Oh, Jason Eisner, uh, Hobo with a shotgun. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adam Wingard, Eduardo Sanchez, Greg Hale. Gareth, Gareth Evans, Evans, yeah, which I'm, I'm very much guy. Timo Shato, um, yeah. Well, well, do you know what? Fuck it, I'm willing to give it another go. The, the the word is that this one is actually good. Like the whole kind of thing seems to be, yeah, we know the first one was a bit shit. Here's a good one. Mm, but I'm I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit shy on it because the fact was that I went to VHS with everyone telling me how wonderful it was, and then about halfway through was thinking, "Are we watching the right film?" So yeah, but then again, fuck it. I'm I'm always willing to give stuff a go, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I'm very much looking forward to the Iceman, uh, and we'll be tackling Beautiful Girls. Um, and I promise I will watch something new and something old this week. Good, you I know. Um, feedback, iTunes reviews uh, would be really fucking cool. Uh, let's say questions, if you want to put them in at any point, uh, do the monkey at gmail.com, uh, at dude the monkey, or at Ian Loring, or at dude foz. Um, please get in touch. Um, and um, hello to Ava, uh, Glenn's daughter, because uh, apparently she was listening last week. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah, he said he was listening to Dude and a Monkey with her in the room. Jesus yeah. Christ, yeah. She, luckily, Ava is not of the age where she can process our appalling language. Yeah, that's, yeah, good. Uh, so, uh, thank you very much for listening, uh, and we'll catch you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.